Welcome, friends. This is Steve Adams, your host of the Embracing Brokenness podcast. Welcome. We're glad you could join us again. We're going to do something a little different this time and have you listen in on a conversation that Colleen and I had last year when we recorded a series we entitled Sexual Brokenness and the Church. Now, this is the seventh installment, so if you want to find more on it, you can visit our YouTube channel where we recorded everything in a video form. But this particular topic, the impact of pornography on society, is a huge issue. Not just society, but inside the church. The enemy wants to keep it under wraps so that we don't really deal with it. And it's an addiction like many others. And if he can derail us, it destroys families. So listen in, give us your feedback, and be part of the conversation. Children. Young girls, some as young as nine years old, are being bought and sold for sex in America. The average age for a young woman being sold for sex is now 13 years old. This is America's dirty little secret. As investigative journalist Annie Fine Collins notes, it's become more lucrative and much safer to sell malleable teens than drugs or guns. A pound of heroin or an AK-47 can be retailed once. But a young girl can be sold 10 to 15 times a day, and a righteous, in quotes, pimp confiscates 100% of her earnings. Consider this. Every two minutes, a child is exploited in the sex industry. And this, according to USA Today, adults purchase children for sex at least two and a half million times a year in the United States. Who buys a child for sex? Otherwise, ordinary men. From all walks of life. They could be your coworker, doctor, pastor, or spouse, writes journalist Tim Swearens, who spent more than a year investigating the sex trade in America. In Georgia alone, it's estimated that 7,200 men, half of them in their 30s, seek to purchase sex with adolescent girls each month, averaging roughly 300 a day. On average, a child might be raped by 6,000 men during a five-year period of servitude. Well, folks, that's the reality of the world we live in, and we don't even recognize it here in the United States. Welcome back. I'm glad you could join us. This is the final episode in a multiple-part series that we've done on sexual brokenness in the church. I am Steve. This is Colleen. We're with Embracing Brokenness Ministries. I'm glad you could come back, but if you can, please do go back, look at, at the other six episodes, this is number seven, and catch up on some of the things that we're trying to focus our attention on right now, and that's to bring awareness to a problem that's deeply, deeply rooted, not in the just in the secular world, but also in the church at large. So, Carl, what's going on here? This is crazy, these statistics. Mm-hmm. I think what's sad is to think about that what we believe about sex matters. Um, yeah, it's funny just kind of thinking about how we conclude this series um, and realizing that the church doesn't look any different than secular society and oftentimes in our view of sexuality. And um, we're following cultural norms. We're not very kingdom-focused in other-centered love and chasing really selfish desires um, around this area of sexual brokenness and probably understanding in the statistics that you just read are staggering, um, doing a lot of work uh, 
within the past decade on abolition of sex trafficking, um, one of the big things I think that isn't totally pointed out in those statistics, but is amazing to me that we used to use to educate the church, and that was America's desire for porn and our porn um, consumption drives the numbers of people being sex trafficked Mm. around the world. And, you know, I've always thought about that statistic. And, you know, when we kind of say, well, this is not, this is just an innocent thing, realizing that just our consumption, because we have such large consumption and so much money, it's actually driving this whole world of sex trafficking uh, around the globe. And that is an insidious, like horrible monster of people not making choice, but being, you know, sold into something pretty depraved. And I've heard this term used a lot, pornification of America, mm-hmm. as we yeah. did a little research on this. It's a, yeah. it's a sad thing. Yeah. Think about it. Well, I mean, we've got a huge cultural challenge and, you know, I can see it in nieces and nephews, friends, kids, kind of what they're coming up mm-hmm. when, you know, um, when you think about it, I mean, think about how crazy this is, but we actually have made this normal. Little baby girls, we're finding little stripper high heels to put on them. We're, you know, putting on onesies, um, words like pimp, future pimp. Um, I see these tween girls with, you know, their thongs hanging out and tiny little outfits. And this new thing of saying, you know, we're not responsible for men's sexuality. They need to be responsible for their own sexuality, which is true. But the fact that women for so long were kind of believed that they had to carry the purity message, we're watching this whole rebellion against that and seeing this high level of sexualization in the name of freedom. And I look more and more at our culture and I just see bondage, constant bondage, constant sexual bondage. It's not freeing. I mean, think about some of these things. I just listed some, some top things that are coming from this sexualization. I mean, women... And actually, in American culture, equality for women has come a long way when you look around the world, right? But in this area, when you start to see the sexualization of women, there's an objectification that comes along with porn and just this whole sexual culture that once again actually makes women lesser than, you know, mind-boggling in this day and age where we've done so much to fight for equality. And probably more distasteful to me than anything is the fact that most of feminism is actually supporting this pornified culture saying women should be able to be sexual beings. Well, we're all sexual beings, right? Like we're born sexual beings. That's part of how God made us and created us. And so there's nothing taken away from us being sexual beings um, by the fact that we're called to live abstinent lives and to actually be celibate and suffer in the confines of marriage. And so, you know, just... uh, some of the things that are happening that are kind of normalizing this are really crazy to me. But I think, you know, as I look at porn, I mean, think about some of these things. Erectile performance, we're starting to see erectile dysfunction greatly related to porn and masturbation, you know, and the ability for men to not even be able to function in normal sexual ways because of um, changes in their brain that are coming from this. We're seeing disruption in adolescent brains because so many of these young kids before the age of 13, both male and female, are actually looking at porn and their brains are very plastic. So they're changing rapidly in line um, kind of with this new drug that I call porn. 
you know, we see this huge link between pornography and sex trafficking, as I noted, the statistics there, you know, around the world. Um, we know, for example, that cap- countless women have been kidnapped, abused, drugged, threatened, and coerced into doing porn. And yet we still try to make this a thing where people were choosing to do this, and it's a, you know, fine industry. Um, but I think one of the things we haven't talked about is the whole role of pornography even in trafficking. You know, a lot of times trafficked victims, young children, now you're hearing the statistics, age of 13 is the average age that kids are being trafficked, which means kids as young as 8, 9, and 10, it's not uncommon for them to be trafficked. In fact, um, one of the rings that was just recently broken up in the United States when they interviewed some of the kids that were pulled out, they were describing the three cohorts of kids that were being trafficked. The first group was toddlers to age four, you know, and then like five to nine and then teens. And then unfortunately they had this group called the damage group, which was you could come in and buy them and hit them and beat them up. Didn't matter what condition this child came back in. But when you think about how crazy that is, just even the ages and the demands and how do you teach these kids, even, you know, at that young of an age, sexually how they're going to perform in trafficking? Porn is the number one way that they're taught how to do that. Well, think about this. It also, as part of what we've read and researched, that the, those being sold for sex mm-hmm. have an average life expectancy of seven years. Right. I mean, that's, and it says here, for those, obviously, for those years, they're a living nightmare of mm-hmm. endless rape, forced drugging, humiliation, degradation, threats, disease, pregnancies, abortions, miscarriages, torture, pain, and always the constant fear of being killed or worse, mm-hmm. having those you love, yeah. um, you know, hurt or killed. Mm-hmm. That is mind-boggling to yeah. me. And we don't understand. Like, we don't, we, I think a big part of this is just the beginning to educate ourselves more as to what is actually happening in the mm-hmm. world around us. We don't, mm-hmm. we ignore it. I didn't know most of this mm-hmm. until we started doing the research. Yeah. I think one thing that's interesting about you, um, even as we've talked through this in the last number of years, and some other friends, one of my friends, Susan Vigliano, I'll never forget, um, when she said the reason she got into the battle of abolition um, work was she looked at her little daughter, and God clearly said to her, they're all Elizabeth. I mean, they're all your daughter. If we, you know, we've been really focused on the problem, but one of the big solutions is for all of us to name these children, to name these victims, because I don't even care if you're an adult in the industry. You came up as a child, usually, um, when sexual brokenness um, entered your world, when trafficking entered your world. And so just because you're an adult in prostitution, we assume this is somebody who has agreed and wanted to do this. But they usually were the 13-year-old who grew, just grew into it and knew no other way or what to do. And if each of us could say, that's a brother and sister in the Lord, mm-hmm. that is a child. That could be my child. Mm-hmm. You've often said, and I love hearing you say this to men, what if that was your daughter? What if that was your sister? And people will say, oh, gosh, I'd never do it if it was somebody related sure. to me. But yet this other person, you know, that we can just make less than human, it's okay. I like that ob- objectifying of a person mm-hmm. start to make it real. I think it's right. a great point. Like. What about if that were your daughter? How yeah. would you look at this situation? That person is somebody's daughter. Absolutely. That person is someone who came into this world never expecting to be put and exploited and put on mm-hmm. a screen yeah. for somebody else's pleasure. Right. It is It is far beyond 
what God has taught us as to who we are as his yeah. kids. Yeah. And so as, as believers, we have to understand there is there are solutions. Mm-hmm. I think there are ways through this. Mm-hmm. But first, we have to recognize the crisis that we're up against. Yeah. And we have to warn those among us mm-hmm. that this is a real deal. Like this mm-hmm. is, you know, we've got to be looking out for a lot of these kids are kidnapped. They're stolen away. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're sold somehow or another. I know there are, are certainly our parents that are guilty of of abuse and putting their kids in this situation. Mm-hmm. But there are many, most, that don't that didn't opt in. Yeah. You know? they, yeah. they just didn't opt into this. So we yeah. have to find solutions uh, for us as believers, especially. Mm-hmm. Like, what is our role here? You mm-hmm. know? I think that's a, bit, a question we'll want to even address here. But mm-hmm. to your point, we mm-hmm. have to identify and be make the, the person real. It's not somebody mm-hmm. behind the camera, in front yeah. of the camera. Yeah, right. And I think hopefully what everybody has heard through this series is there are countless victims here, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and we try to figure out, well, who would those victims be? Because, again, um, we've shared at different times when we're dealing with somebody who's struggling with pornography, they're saying to us, well, you know, wasn't getting enough sex from my wife. So this just seemed like a really innocent way to kind of deal with my this situation. And even in secular culture, yeah, I love a lot of even psychologists are saying, oh, wow, well, porn and masturbation are a good way to deal with your hypersexualization. And, you know, that's harmless. And the reality is um, what we're here to say is now, I mean, watching porn, the people that you're watching oftentimes are victims. Um, and, you know, just... We've got to deal with the fact that there are there's not anybody who's a victim. I think the people watching the porn are victims, mm-hmm. um, just as much as the people who are being watched are victims. Right. And then again, um, some of the innocent victims that we talked about in marriages, you know, wives mm-hmm. who have no idea what's going on and all of a sudden are feeling like there's a mistress in the bed with them, um, mistresses. Children are probably one of the most disheartening parts of this whole thing um, to watch the implications of what's happening with porn to children. Um, children on the other end of child pornography um, and then what that is driving uh, in addition to this pornified culture for children is just creating this di- demand that it's okay to have sex with children. Um, and also child to child um sex now because of the young age of which kids are watching pornography, their brains aren't developed to really understand the ramifications of what they're doing. And so you've got a lot of abuse going on child to child. And I think that, you know, what we're trying to hit on here is this Mm -hmm. societal implications. What is happening in in the world around us today? Mm -hmm. You know, we can bury our head in the sand and pretend it isn't happening, but it's real. And so society as a whole has to deal with this fact. And when you talk about some of these numbers, that are, mm-hmm. you know, we're two and a half, you know, million times a year adults mm-hmm. purchase children, and that's yeah. just in the United States. Right. Let's talk about worldwide; it is probably even higher in terms of percentages. It's mm-hmm. hard really to grasp mm-hmm. what all this is about. The, mm-hmm. the Russian mafia is, is largely behind some of this, and if you can make this kind of money, I mean, there, mm-hmm. you know, some of the some of those that are that are actually you know, pimping these kids into this world are mm-hmm. making two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars a year per child. Right. So you can see it's all about the money. Oh yeah. You know, it's what it's all about. Yep. So it's just disturbing, you know, as a society. Like, what do we, what do we do? How do we approach this? Well, I, look, we we can only address what we can address as believers, mm-hmm. as those who follow Christ. Like, what is our response? 
-hmm. in the world that we live in right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think we need mm -hmm. to bring that forward and talk about it more. Yeah, and make it put this into the light. Yeah. Well, and I think you know I, I put a lot of responsibility on you men. <laughs> But there is a lot of responsibility put on you men to be protectors. I mean, coming out of the garden, mm -hmm. even in the Garden of Eden, you know, there is a role of man to be protector over a woman and not to abuse and to protect. And so I guess the question is, as part of solution, does protection look like using women um, for your mm -hmm. own sexual gratification? Um, now, I'm not saying women are not involved. Women are involved in pornography, too. I mean, and the same question has to be asked. What is going on there? Using another person um, for your own gratification is the exact opposite of agape love. So as Christians, you know, I know um, people who may watch this who are not Christians and say that's bullcrap. Well, that's fine. As Christians, we are really speaking to Christians as say, not quite sure how men not standing up to be protectors, mm -hmm. women standing up as well in covenant relationship and 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 demanding um, right. our own ability to um, have a healthy sexual uh, response to spouses and understanding the covenant relationship. And quite frankly, even addressing our own wounds, I would say one of the things, you know, for us at Embracing Brokenness in working with women um, and doing healing care groups and individual healing, I am amazed at one of the issues that comes up most frequently, which is women have been broken sexually because of abuse and things younger. And they're saying, we don't want to have sex with our husbands, you know. So our responsibility as women to understand a pure um message of what God intended in sexuality and even to heal from the places that broke us where our sexuality was used against us. I mean, I can talk a lot about that as a survivor of childhood sexual abuse and just really having to press into God to heal me so that I can be whole in the context of marriage. And so I think that's another piece of a solution is for us to really press in um, and understand that. And oh, it's a big part of it. Piece of the mm -hmm. solution because yeah. uh, you know most of what we talk about with the people we minister to are the ones that uh, you know are watching here and have watched other times that we've brought content is that you know unless we get underneath all of the issues that really mm -hmm. face us you know we're again we're it's the house is on fire we're mm -hmm. dealing with the, the smoke alarm yeah <laughs> pulling the battery out of the smoke alarm mm -hmm. when all we do is try to deal with the ism the thing that that drives us to do what we do apart mm -hmm. from our relationship with god mm -hmm. so if we can't fill that spot only designed for him with mm -hmm. him we run to other things right it's no different here as we talk about sexual brokenness well pornography is a part of it there are mm -hmm. plenty of other things that we can look at that are part of sexual brokenness in marriage whether it's affairs or or mm -hmm. things that we do that are really dysfunctional and weird behind the scenes mm -hmm. to get our needs met, we, we have to settle on understanding what sits way underneath all of that. Like, what are the wounds? What are the traumas? What are the things in our lives mm -hmm. that have driven us to choose mm -hmm. this behavior over a behavior of, of getting those needs met, those mm -hmm. core longings met in Jesus Christ mm -hmm. and in our relationship with him? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the ultimate solution. But that happens one person at a time. Right. Yes, we can pray. For each other, we can certainly minister to each other, we can help mm -hmm. and encourage each other, 
I still think that there's a large percentage of the population that don't understand where these things actually originate. Yeah. And I say population, I mean the Christian population. What, what drives these behaviors? Mm-hmm. You know, we think we can fix them from the outside in. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's not a possibility and we shouldn't focus there at times. But until we get to that root, that mm-hmm. root problem of what's mm-hmm. driving our behaviors mm-hmm. and really sit in the presence of the Lord, be- yeah. begin to like, generate additional intimacy with him in a way that really matters and really connects with his heart. Mm-hmm. Until we do that, we're, we're lost. We're sitting out here on the sidelines trying to fix this on our own. Right. It just isn't going to happen. Right, 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 right. Well, you bring up a good point. I would say probably one of the most important things is to actually bring up the brokenness into the light. Um, other people can actually help you walk through it. And until we're willing to take the fig leaves off and be honest and be naked and vulnerable with each other and help each other with struggles. I mean, we are called Christians. If you say you're a Christian, it just means you have a, a commitment to do Christ's journey. Mm-hmm. And when I look at this area and go, in Christ's journey, do we ever see in the short span of scripture that we have about Jesus, do we ever see him use somebody for his his own selfish desire? I mean, it's just not his character. We don't see that. We see him serve and lay his life down, agape love, which is always saying, how do I serve you? How do I love you? We don't see how do I use you for my own gratification and pleasure. And so you can see this incredible distortion. It's the exact opposite of what we see in the character of Jesus. And for Christians, we really have to consider that. If we buy that life is not all about us, that it's about doing this journey like Jesus did to reconnect with the Father, um, to return to the garden and be part of the kingdom. Then we got to lay down our own selfish desires, um, which includes any place. You know, loving your neighbor as yourself, incredible commandment. That's not love them just as much as I love me. To me, that's an elevation of I need to put you above my own needs and desires at all times. It's loving you more than I love myself. Yeah, not in a bad way, like people should trample over me, but just going, I will put my own needs and desires down to elevate yours. And I just think we need to ask the question, if we are engaged in these kinds of activities, is that what we're doing? And if our goal is to follow Christ, Mm -hmm. then we need to look at what is the model of Christ and is this consistent or not? I mean, at the end of the day, that's where the answer comes from. Well, it does. And and that that is not only the answer for addressing our sexual brokenness it's the answer for addressing any brokenness that we Mm -hmm. all experience in our lives Mm -hmm. and look you're sitting out there today and you might be saying well this just isn't some area that i struggle with well good Mm -hmm. good yeah i mean that's that's awesome awesome. i mean i i would agree that's the case with with even both of us but Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it doesn't need to be addressed and there are plenty of resources out there for Mm -hmm. you and we'd be happy to connect with you with some of those yeah Uh, and so as as we're wrapping this all up i think the important thing for you to remember is that, number one, God mm-hmm. loves you. <laughs> number two, you are his kid. You're yep. just a child of his. Yeah. And so we got to remember that sometimes as a kid, we just have to go run and be in his presence. And so being in his presence has a ton of benefits, not just um, 
in its simplest form, what Jesus called us to do, and I love the image of Jesus with the little kids coming to him. I think if we think more of our relationship with him like that than we do of a relationship where we have got to manage everything and we've got to be the ones that that decide our own fate and take control of our lives. And even even as Christians, we you know this whole works doctrine, this idea of working our way back into favor with God is one that has to be debunked, has to be set aside. And so when we're looking at these broken areas of our lives, including the area of sexual brokenness and pornography's role in that, and that's only one element, but we've spent a lot of time on it because it's so prevalent in our society mm-hmm. today. Let, I, I would encourage you, as we encourage each other even every day, is just to sit quietly, sit quietly in, in God's presence. Begin to develop a relationship with him that breaks down all these barriers, puts you in, his, in, a, in a posture of complete you know, submission to him, you know, loving him first will then allow you to love others in the way that he's called you to love them. And that would not mean objectifying someone. That means mm-hmm. be protecting them, to your point. As yeah. men, guys, we have to step it up. Yep. As women, as our easer connecto, which we've talked about before, someone who supports us in, mm-hmm. in our marriage and our relationships, we need your help. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, this is a joint effort. You know, the court of three in a marriage relationship is husband, wife, and Jesus. So we have to meld that together for solutions to this problem and many other problems in the society that we live in. This was another episode of the Embracing Brokenness podcast. For more information on Embracing Brokenness Ministries or to subscribe to our blog, podcast, YouTube channel, or engage with us on social media, please visit our website at embracingbrokenness.org. Thanks for joining us.